DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor for the Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Dr. Lillis is also the author of Hidden Mountain Secret Garden, a Theological Contemplation of Prayer. In this series of conversations with Dr. Lillis, we reflect on the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Her retreat, entitled The Last Retreat, is the source of our current reflection. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We continue our conversation with Dr. Lillis, discussing the ninth day of the last retreat. Be holy, for I am holy. Who then is this who can give such a command? He himself has revealed his name, the name proper to him, which he alone can bear. I am who am. He said to Moses, the only living one, the principle of all other beings. In him, the apostle says, we live and move and have our being. Be holy, for I am holy. It seems to me that this is the very same wish expressed on the day of creation when God said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. It is always the desire of the Creator to identify and to associate his creature with himself. St. Peter says that we have been made sharers in the divine nature. St. Paul recommends that we hold on to this beginning of his existence, which he has given us. And the disciple of love tells us, Now we are the children of God, and we have not yet seen what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him makes himself holy, just as he himself is holy. To be holy as God is holy, such is, it seems, the measure of the children of his love. Did not the Master say, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Our God, the God who is ineffable, who's come to have a relationship with us, is the God who saves us. And blessed Elizabeth in this passage, she's looking at the name and she's looking at the holiness of God. And she's not seeing something that's so totally other that she can't have relation. 
she's seen in that someone who's reached out to her personally and is reaching out to those who read this text personally and offering them a real relationship. And if you say yes to it, this is the source of holiness in our lives. Saying yes to God who comes to save us today. This is the holiness that Elizabeth is seeing and invites us to share. Say yes to God who comes to you. He reveals his name to you. And he asks you to be holy. That is, to become whom you were meant to be. You were created in his image and likeness because God wants to have a friendship with you that will last forever and ever and never pass away. Now, Chris, I wanted to get your reaction. The way that you enter into this relationship, she calls it the pathway of the presence of God. Isn't that a beautiful expression? It really implies a journey, doesn't it? Um, it does. She quotes God speaking to Abraham, walk in my presence and be perfect. So the way that we realize the perfection of the Christian life is a journey, just like you were, you were saying. But it's a journey in the presence of God. Isn't that an interesting insight? It really does have that relationship aspect, doesn't it? Because he's always present, then there's an always a knowing. And when, to be truly and fully known, it implies a relationship, both of the persons that are involved. You are absolutely right. In this case, the presence of God isn't always something we feel or understand or, or something that we can intuit or imagine. But the presence of God is something that we know by faith, something that we tr- choose to believe in. And so if we walk, if we conduct all of our affairs each day, believing that God is truly present to me right now in this circumstance, if he's truly present to me right now in this circumstance, why am I acting in anxiety? Why am I being frustrated? Why do I feel like I can't tell the truth? Why do I feel like I need to covet something in my heart that doesn't belong to me? If I'm really in the presence of God, Don't I have everything I could ever possibly need, imagine, or want? It's right here in his presence. So I don't need to strive after things that other people have. Um, I don't need to be worried about my status with other people or the way they look upon me or what my reputation is. I don't need to be concerned about uh, one-upmanship and all those little games that go on because I am in the presence of God right here and right now. And I'm going to choose to conduct my affairs in this present moment with all the love that I can. Because if I'm in the presence of God, I'm in the presence of love. And I'm going to put believe in that presence and live in that presence with all the love I can. That's what a blessed Elizabeth is, is um, orienting us to when she talks about Realizing the holiness of God, this relationship of, with God in our lives, by always acting as if we are in his presence. It really strikes me, Anthony, that this is what I've heard termed almost like a naked faith. Mm-hmm. That it is so, I mean, it's beyond feeling even God's presence. It's just believing and knowing. And I think it was described once as, that even Jesus had that raw, naked sense of the presence 
of the father, even when he couldn't feel him mm. on the cross, he cried out in a, just that horrific cry, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you? And yet his faith was so strong. He could have come down from the cross. The angels could have come to take in him, but he had, he persevered in that presence because he knew it was there. I mean, he was so aware. Am I, does that make any sense? It does. And in fact, in the same paragraph, Elizabeth refers to attacks by the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the evil that stalks in the darkness, and the attacks of the noonday devil. Speaking to Abraham, God said, Walk in my presence and be perfect. This, then, is the way to achieve this perfection that our Heavenly Father asks of us. St. Paul, after having immersed himself in the divine counsels, revealed exactly this to us when he wrote, God has chosen us in him before the creation of the world, that we might be holy and immaculate in his presence in love. It is also by the light of this same saint that I will be enlightened so that I might walk without deviating from this magnificent road of the presence of God on which the soul journeys alone with the alone, led by the strength of his right arm, under the protection of his wings, without fearing the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the evil that stalks in darkness, nor the attacks of the noonday devil. Part of the Christian life, we live in the presence of God, but in God's presence, God sometimes allows us to be tested in a great variety of ways. That line that I just read describes any number of different kinds of evils that we might experience in life. Ignatius of Loyola, in his spiritual exercises, he talks about how the evil spirit, uh, once a soul is chosen to try to live a converted life and to be purified of its former attachments, the evil spirit comes trying to oppress it in any number of ways. And that oppression of the evil spirit, the snares and the traps that the evil spirit tries to lay to the soul that's trying to make progress, St. Ignatius calls that, when that the spirit is permitted to do that in someone's life, he calls that desolation. St. Ignatius says that we need to do what we need to do to get out of the desolation. We don't make big changes in life discernment, change jobs or, or anything dramatic like that. We only do that when we're under the influence of God and we can think clearly. But during the time of attack, we do want to do things to increase our devotion, to try to get ourselves out of that desolation. But even with that effort, sometimes we're not delivered from the desolation right away. And St. Ignatius sees God using this time of testing as a time in which God imparts to us strength and wisdom and a deeper resolve and purpose in the Christian life. You know, we can never really grow in love if we're not tested. And so that's why as we struggle to walk in the presence of God and fill every moment with love that we have, as we choose to do that, there will be times 
when the whole world falls down around us. There is going to be, as we walk with God, we're under the protection of his wings. Uh, we will have to face the terror of the night. We don't need to fear it because we're under the protection of God's wings. But there, there are terrors that come in the night. The night, you can think about a physical night and scary things happen in the physical night. That's true. But I'm thinking more about the spiritual night. You don't really see what's going on. It's a little bit confusing. And when you're confused and you don't understand what's going on, things come up that can make you very afraid. Well, when that happens, even though you feel feel a lot of fear and you're under a lot of confusion, you can still choose to believe in the presence of God. Uh, that's what it means to live under the wings of God. And similarly, during the day, when you think you understand everything that's going on, out of the blue, an arrow can come that just kind of strikes you to the heart. A friend say a word that just kind of rips you to shred or somebody that you're really relying on betray you or somebody else that you are counting on to support you uh, ends up denying you or or friends that you're hoping were there to support you. They run away because they're afraid to be seen with you. You know, all these things happen to you in life. Uh, that's part of the blessings of, of following our crucified master. And, and so these arrows come in the middle of the day. Uh, uh, that we, we don't even see them coming, we're, we're, and they strike us to the heart. And they can, Blessed Elizabeth is saying, using the scripture passage, the wings of God, his power is covering you. And if this arrow has been fired right at you, you do not need to fear it. What you need to do is believe in the presence of God. And even that arrow, though it sting, that arrow is not going to define your existence. Your existence is defined by the fact that God loves you. And even if you've been betrayed, his love has not changed for you. And he's going to see you through this betrayal. He's going to see you through this frustration and this disappointment. He will not abandon you. The wings, the power of God's love, his life, that, the evil that stalks in the darkness. There are people, and but also especially spirits, who prowl about like roaring lions who want to devour us. And they're just waiting for the opportunity, waiting for the weakness to, to pounce at us and take us when we least expect it. We all have friends who have struggled with these, this evil that stalks in the night. We've experienced it ourselves. Well, how do you deal with an evil that stalks you, that is after you? Blessed Elizabeth is saying here, you're not supposed to be afraid of that. Just keep your eyes fixed on him. Believe in the power of his life and his love right around you. You have nothing to fear by that evil that stalks you. Then finally, in the attacks of the noonday devil. You know, in the middle of the day, there comes a time when everybody has a propensity to get angry and upset with each other. I had a, a wise faculty member. She's a great religious, a wise Bible scholar. And we had had a really difficult faculty meeting in the middle of the afternoon. And she said, Anthony, be careful of the noonday devil. And she was just giving me a little hint that people had maybe got caught up in a spirit of anger. One of the things about the spiritual life that we need to do as we keep our eyes fixed on the presence of God we need to always find the most appropriate means of responding to his presence in our lives. Pope Francis, from the tradition of St. Ignatius of Loyola, 
Pope Francis says that the wisdom of discernment redeems the necessary ambiguities of life. Now, that for me is, is powerful. He's saying that these kind of ambiguities when there's a noonday devil, kind of a spirit of anger or a spirit of judgment or a spirit of pride or a spirit of listlessness, those things come to us in the middle of the day. We need to be able to discern those things. Those, that's part of the necessary ambiguity of life. God created the world where there are these kind of ambiguous spirits that come up and confuse everything all around us. A lot of people see that as the obstacle to the spiritual life. Oh, if only I didn't get so upset when I drive, I would really be a great saint or something like that. I like to think about that when I'm yelling to myself on I-70 driving home from work. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, if only the traffic wasn't here, I'd be Mother Teresa. You know, well, it's not true. God has allowed me to have that traffic and to have that moment so that I can discern his presence in it. And when I discern his presence at that moment when I'm being tried, it redeems that moment. When I can find God when drivers are being rude all around me and doing awful things on the highway, or if I can find his presence while I'm in a shopping store and somebody bursts in front of me, if I can find his presence when at work and my coworkers are all taken up in false accusations and judgments about uh, me or another coworker, and there's all the commotion and the contention going on. If I can find the presence of God in that moment, that's what redeems that moment and surrenders it to the cross. I have nothing to fear from the noonday devil. Nothing because I walk in the presence of God. When we live like that, that's how we learn to die to ourselves. And when we die to ourselves, we remove all the obstacles to God's love in our lives. And when we remove those obstacles, his holiness is brought to perfection in us, even here and now. And what he's able to do through us, no uh, mind could ever imagine or foretell, because it's pure, pure, purely astonishing. God always loves to work in ways that surprise and astonish everyone. Anthony, it reminds me so much of everything you just said, of that litany of humility that Blessed Mother Teresa had all the missionaries of charity put that over their door, that they prayed it every day, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I. Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on, you know, that in the opinion of the world that others may increase and I may decrease and then it, it would go on to say that others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Well, now that litany is a very interesting thing to bring up because in the last part of this reflection, uh, she talks about the death to self that needs to happen. Strip off the old man in whom you lived your former life, he tells me, and put on the new man who has been created according to God in justice and holiness. This is the way set forth. We have only to strip off self to follow it as God wills. To strip off self, to die to self, to lose sight of self. It seems to me the Master meant this when he said, If anyone wants to follow me, 
let him take up his cross and deny himself. If you live according to the flesh, the apostle also says, you will die. But if you put to death in the spirit the works of the flesh, you will live. This is the death that God asks for and of which it is said, death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, says the Lord, I will be your death. That is, O soul, my adopted daughter, look at me and you will forget yourself. Flow entirely into my being. Come, die in me that I may live in you. And part of that litany where you're asking that others be loved more than I and others be thought well of more than I and so forth. What that litany is getting at, what humility gets at, is that we want to be the center of attentions. We want to be well thought of and we want people's affection. That's something in us is kind of wired like that. And we want, we want, we want. The biggest obstacle to the love of God the way that God wants to love us and love through us, the biggest obstacle is our own big, fat, bloated ego. It gets in the way of everything. It's like a, a, a black hole in space. You know, they have in space, they discovered these black holes that, that suck in light from all the other stars that are around it. It's because the gravitational pull is so great that not even light can escape its, its pull and it gets sucked into this darkness. Well, our big fat egos, when they are not, when they're not submitted to the cross, they are like black holes. And, and so, part of becoming holy in this life is removing the obstacles, but especially the obstacle of our ego that needs to be in control, needs to be comfortable, needs to be thought well of, needs to be beloved by everybody. And Mother Teresa, in getting the sisters, her sisters, to pray that litany of humility. She was giving them an antidote for the big, fat, bloated ego, for the black hole that's in our heart. And that anecdote is to just very humbly pray and complain to God, Lord, I want to be loved more than, than you. <laughs> and it's evil and it's wrong. So would you please make everybody else around me more loved and recognized and, and affirmed than me? Because right now my big, fat, bloated ego needs to be put to death so that I can be a more perfect instrument of your love. That's a powerful reflection, Chris. What else can we glean from this particular day in the last retreat? Well, um, I would uh, just uh, kind of go to the, uh, the very last line of this, uh, of this reflection. Um, the death that God asks for and of which it is said, death has been swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, says the Lord, I will be your death. That is, O oh, soul, my adopted daughter, look at me, and you will forget yourself. Flow entirely into my being. Come, die in me, that I may live in you. 
if we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, he is the one who helps us put to death our own big fat egos. Because when you see him, you can't be preoccupied with yourself anymore. When you gaze on him whom we have pierced, you can't be, uh, you can't be selfish. You see the truth of your selfishness and the truth of his love. And your hands that were gripping all of a sudden let go. And you surrender in adoration before his love. And when you see that, holiness becomes something something that you desire with all your heart because you know you're loved. And, um, and when we know we're loved, when we say yes to that, he is alive in us. Uh, don't ever be afraid to let him live in you. Don't be afraid of that fullness of life. How beautiful. Thank you so much, Anthony. God bless you, Chris, and I look forward to being with you again soon. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. Discerning Hearts is a spiritual retreat stop for those who travel on the digital sea. Archbishop George Lucas of Omaha has said that Discerning Hearts is a trusted resource for Catholic spirituality and teaching. He supports it as an apostolate for the new evangelization that brings the good news to every corner of the world. Discerning Hearts is an official 501c3 nonprofit apostolate. It creates engaging multimedia specializing in audio productions known as podcasts and radio broadcasts, faithful to the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church and its rich, authentic spiritual tradition. By visiting the website discerninghearts.com or obtaining the free apps that are available for Android phones, iPhones, and iPads, Listeners have available to them the best of teachings from Archbishop George Lucas, Father Timothy Gallagher, Deacon James Keating, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, Monsignor John Essif, Joseph Pierce, Mike Aquilina, Omar Gutierrez, Teresa Monahan, Sharon Doran, and so many others, as well as all the episodes from Inside the Pages with Chris McGregor. And there, too, you'll find devotionals of every kind, to listen to and enter into prayer with, like the Holy Rosary of Our Lady, the Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, and countless others. For many around the world, Discerning Hearts is a daily source of inspiration, spiritual nourishment, and encouragement. The world is looking for answers, for spiritual guidance and authentic discernment, for relationship and community. Please keep the work of Discerning Hearts in your prayers and be sure to visit discerninghearts.com.